0: jazz hands. Hi, and welcome to Meet Your Heroes. I'm Audrey.
1: And I'm Elliot.
0: And this is the podcast where we ignore the conventional wisdom to never meet your heroes and instead get to know who they really were.
1: Yes. And I got to tell you this week it's kind of a surprise is it will it be a surprise to all of our fans
0: in hungary where this week our podcast actually charted
1: oh we charted we charted in hungary
0: we did yep so thank you to all of our hungarian listeners
1: and thanks to all the listeners uh, from last week who knew us back when we were still you know humble humble now can't tell us nothing (laughs) you can't tell us nothing we
0: are a little delayed in recording this week, so instead of the three to five minutes of witty banter, because I have to edit this all through the night, it would be really great if we could just dive right in.
1: I do have two minutes of not witty banter prepared, <laughs> if you would prefer that.
0: No, thank you. That's an even harder pass.
1: Okay, then let's just jump right in. Cool. Who's our hero? This week's hero, Mr. Charlie Chaplin.
0: When you mentioned this to me earlier this week, I did the like jazz hands. Like, is this the Charlie Chaplin <laughs> like, silent film actor? Hurrah!
1: And my first question is, how many Charlie Chaplins do you know? <laughs>
0: not that I mean, not him. But I just wanted to confirm. Like, yeah, Char- this Charlie Chaplin? Yeah. He's so,
1: so okay. Someone. Let's be clear. So one, you. I say Charlie Chaplin. You know who I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. The thing is, if you go to any number of the 200 or so, you know, countries in the world, mm-hmm. and you ask them who Charlie Chaplin is, they too will know this guy. Sure. They yeah, will yeah, know yeah. Right? Like, in, in terms of heroes, like, there are very few people that have, like, this broad recognition the world over.
0: Right. Which is why I think I was surprised that I didn't know any scandals or I didn't know any, like... I just know him as his character, right? And, like, that's the point. Like, I know Charlie Chaplin, the character, but I don't know Charlie Chaplin, the person.
1: No. And so this week we get to know Charlie Chaplin, the person.
0: Jazz hands.
1: (laughs) Yes. Jazz hands. (laughs) In addition to being generally, like, recognizable by this character, most people would, even if you don't know the name, you would probably recognize his face as, like, a famous face or, like, a famous character. He's got this little mustache like a Hitler mustache. Mm-hmm. he's got the like little bowler hat and the and the cane mm-hmm. um, he not only is he broadly recognizable today, but he was also definitively the most famous person in the world at the peak of his career. Wow, it's not just like his fame persists; his fame was unparalleled and unprecedented at its time sure.
0: the so, Michael Jackson, the lady gaga, the Beatles, the Elvis Presley sure. of his time
1: yes. Let's find out who Charlie Chaplin, the man really was. Let's go for it. Uh so Charlie Chaplin is born April sixteenth, eighteen eighty nine. Okay. Which makes him
0: You're gonna say something smart, like Alive.
1: An Aries.
0: Oh what? That's as
1: far as you went. I don't know what that means. <laughs> Uh, What I can tell you, though, just for a quick historical, you know, happenstance that we'll revisit later. He is born four days before Adolf Hitler, Uh -uh. who's also an Aries.
0: Mm -hmm. And similar mustache.
1: Maybe a coincidence. Maybe not. We'll find out. Mm. Uh, Anyway, so he's an Aries. So we think of Charlie Chaplin as like this like weird little, you know, film dude. Hitler as a tyrant. Yes. Who knows? Let's see if their astrology makes him similar in any way.
0: It's not about the the sign specifically, because you can have a diversity of personalities within one sign. Mm. It's about the day.
1: It's about the day. Yeah. Well, they're four days off, so then never mind.
0: Right. The sun could be in a totally different position. That's Sh- how it works.
1: Sure. Sure. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah.
0: Science. The sun moves. <laughs>
1: Science. <laughs> uh, okay. So he's born 1889. Okay. 1890, when he's one years old. Oh, by the way, there's more than one Charlie Chaplin in this story. Charlie Chaplin Sr. Let's call him Charles Chaplin.
0: Charles. Dignified.
1: Yeah. Charlie's dad. He is this famous British entertainer. Okay. So he is like stage performer in his own right, but he's also a huge alcoholic, incredibly Mm. abusive, Mm. doesn't like his family. When Charlie Jr., I guess, is born, um, he's already like, you know, getting tired of this family. And by the time Charlie Chaplin is one... Uh, He walks out on the family. How
0: many siblings do... I mean, so Charlie's not the first.
1: No, I would say several because I don't remember. Okay, sure. A couple kids.
0: Got it. Maybe not any boys because Charlie's the first junior. (laughs)
1: That's true. He is the only other Charlie, Mm -hmm. yeah. But yeah, so Charlie's one. Dad walks out on the family and leaves in in abject poverty. He's like still making a ton of money at this point. And he's just like... Fuck them kids, right? Like, he doesn't <laughs> care. Um,
0: Charlie born in England. Yes. Oh, sorry. Okay. So he's he's
1: in uh, South London. Got it. In England, mom is like struggling to raise these kids on her own. Mm-hmm. Um, to entertain the kids, she's like doing little vaudeville sketches, like trying to do like dances and songs. Mom's a singer, like okay. trying to like. This is not a TV, right? Mm-hmm. They can't afford a radio. Oh. They're just like, what do you do if you got four kids and no money? dance and sing i don't know let them loose yeah right give them a stick some rocks um, i don't know this
0: is kind of how it worked for millennia yeah, didn't have right. radio or tv
1: just doing what they can hmm. so yeah so by the time charlie is five his mom has like gotten jobs as a singer to try to make ends meet basically and so there's this one formative experience that's going to set the direction for little charlie's life hit me with it uh his mom is on stage at a show singing Little Charlie's sitting there waiting in the wings, Mm -hmm. watching his mom give the performance. Right as she goes to hit this big high note, he's watching her voice cracks. Oh, no. And she she pauses, she tries again, and she she just can't get this note out. And then she can't, like, get any notes out. (gasps) Like, just, like, loses her voice mid-performance. Oh,
0: my. That is dramatic.
1: Yeah. so, So the manager... Of his mom is like sitting there next to Charlie in the wings, getting real nervous because the crowd's getting antsy, getting a little nervous. He sees this little five year old Charlie in front of him and he knows that little Charlie has like can like sing a little bit. He's mm-hmm. like, you know what, kid, get out there, show him what you got. <laughs> yeah. Right? I don't know, whatever cliche you want to put in here, but he by the stories, he just shoves this kid out onto the stage because the mom is like struggling, desperate, oh. and uh little five-year-old charlie chaplin just starts making fun of his mom oh no! so he starts imitating her cracked voice and people start (gasps) laughing and they love it god um and then he like he yeah he's, he's like starts making fun of his mom like pretending like he can't sing either and then he like does a little dance and then he like sings a little bit too but like for real this time just totally bullshit and
0: in the not-so-distant past, we had a five-year-old. I would imagine, I would struggle to imagine our five-year-old being sort of like with it enough um, in a performative sense to be like, the thing I'm going to do right now
1: is... Like roll with this, this scene and, and like go yeah. on the stage. Yeah. I mean, granted, yeah, under the spotlights, it's a lot of pressure. But also I imagine that if you've seen, the only times you've ever seen your dad are probably on stage. The only time okay. you seen, you seen your mom like feed your family by being on stage too. So this sure. is what he knows.
0: I mean, I just like the mockery of his mom versus just like going out and singing whatever song he knows, like hamming it up for the audience. That is wild.
1: Yeah, got the instincts for sure.
0: If you had read his astrology, you might know. You might there might have been <laughs> clues, might have been a hint. like a natural performer, ability to <laughs> You know, roll with the punches, a flexible See, we're favorite. at the point
1: of this science where you are now, like, offering what data there might have been yeah. in place of any actual data. Well,
0: to, to be fair, that's what a birth date astrology is, offering <laughs> data where there might not otherwise be data.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: Anyway, so he sees his mom is floundering. He makes fun of her and the audience eats it up
1: he crushes it from this point on he will dedicate himself to a life in show business his mom Mm. will never recover her voice and slowly descend into mental illness that will ultimately see her institutionalized and never released
0: i mean it's a lot of pressure to have like one specific skill set that you use to take care of your children to lose it on stage, to have a child <laughs> make fun of you and then not be able to provide for your family. In the early 1900s, I would crack also.
1: It's a lot of pressure.
0: I feel very sad for the, his mom.
1: The result of this, it's, it's slightly pre-1900, right? We're like 1890s. But yes, okay. he, she is like going to basically, once she is institutionalized, he is living this like Charles Dickens, Oliver Twist childhood mm. in like workhouses. He's employed in factories, right? Trying to like make toys, like all like hard knock life for Mm -hmm. sure. Mm -hmm. 1897, he's eight years old. Mm. He's working these odd jobs, but he gets his first paid gig, paid regular gig in showbiz via his mom's former connections into the business. Okay. In a clog dancing troupe.
0: I know about clogging.
1: Oh, do you? Yeah. That was unexpected.
0: Have you never been to a county fair?
1: I, I have, have a cousin never... who
0: clogs. Like, was like a traveling did clogging. Are you shitting me? No. Yeah. A travel. Wait. I'm not. I mean, I'm not going to say their name, but you know this cousin. This I have a cousin who was like a performance level clogger who wow. went around with a troupe. Yeah, of course. Man, I think you really forget how backwoods a lot of my family
1: is. <laughs> That's true. I do forget. <laughs> I do forget. It didn't work out for your cousin as well as it worked out for him let me tell you sure
0: (laughs) i mean it really depends on goals there this doesn't end up going to college getting multiple degrees like they had opportunities that charlie jr did not have
1: yeah when you're when you're betting everything on the clog card Mm
0: -hmm. you You go in you go in
1: hard (laughs) it's true Yes. Okay, so so this clog dancing troupe tours, mm-hmm. it gets him some experience on stage. He's not a breakout star, but it eventually gets him his first actual acting gig in like okay. a, this um sketch group. So like he has a he has an acting gig, it turns into this sketch group gig. They're also a touring company, and so he has like regular roles on the stage. That touring company gets him into the United States and eventually like all of these snowballing you know, performances where people like notice him and like put him into something a little bit bigger. By the time he's a teenager, get him signed to an actual film producers production company.
0: Like in Hollywood, like he's made it to the USA.
1: Yeah. So he's made it to the USA. Okay.
0: See, I wouldn't, I didn't even know he's British.
1: Yeah. So, so he is British and he has a British passport. He is never going to become a U.S. citizen. Wow. He is a British actor who, who and when he's signed in these early days, um, I don't even know if it's like "quote unquote" Hollywood per se. Mm. Hollywood's very new, so this is just like sure.
0: I, I guess I just meant like in the United States, he's got a deal.
1: Yes. So at so in these early years, um, his first gig when he gets signed with this deal, he's making a hundred and fifty dollars a week. Wow. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna give actual present day values for a lot of these because the money is kind of bonkers. He, that seems like a
0: lot of money for like turn of the century clogging. Yeah,
1: so he goes from clogger to actor to actor to sketch person, whatever. When he mm-hmm. gets this film contract, he's making four K a week in today's money, which wow. is like two hundred thousand dollars a year. Yeah. Right? Um now, at the time that was a weekly thing because you weren't guaranteed to stay on a year. Sure, but like that's insane money for somebody who's been in a clog troop to pay bills until now, right?
0: I mean, yeah. And if you just think about like the cost of living back then, that's it
1: feels like even more. Yeah, it's extravagant, right? Mm-hmm. So he is getting signed to this film company, and by nineteen fourteen, when he's twenty five years old, okay, he's gonna be in this first film. So after a hard childhood and teenage years, he is ready to like make this debut and in this film company there's a lot of actors right it's like you know the way it worked was like you had like 50 60 actors on you just like jumbled them up you know it wasn't like you negotiated for talent every time you hired people to be part of the studio Mm -hmm. you just like tossed pieces at the sets and like made a film he's like how do I differentiate myself and so he decides he's going to do this distinctive character okay and he calls it the little tramp yes And so this first film is like only 13 minutes long, but it is him in this now incredibly distinctive bowler hat with the little mustache, Mm -hmm. with the little cane, and he does this character and people just love it. He's a huge hit. And so this film thing is like working out for him. In this Mm -hmm. first year, he is in over 35 movies. And they're all silent. All silent films, mm-hmm. he, he doesn't do a first sp- spoken role for like 20 more years. This sure. is all silent film era. Right. So um, very expressive, right? By the 12th of these 35 films, he started directing. So he was like getting behind the camera too, like learning the film business. And overall just like went from essentially right, like Charles Dickens character living in a workhouse to making like real solid money mm-hmm. as like a working actor pretty quickly.
0: Sounds like it. A wunderkind, if you
1: will. A wonderkind Based on this success, a year later, mm-hmm. his contract's coming up for renewal, and he's like, I can do better than this. He shops his talent around, he's like, I'm taking my talents to a new production company. So at 26, he leaves, and now, instead of a couple hundred dollars a week, he signs for $1,250 200, $1, a week. Wow. Which in today's money is... Forty thousand? Thirty two thousand dollars a week. Yeah. He's making one point six million dollars a year by renegotiating, rolling with it. So he, he makes fourteen more films that year, including one called The Tramp.
0: Yeah. I've seen a movie poster for this actually.
1: Yeah. And and this is like considered his first major classic film. Yes. He takes his character, he becomes the star of it, uh, and he is just, you know, catapulted to, you know, one of the preeminent Uh, actors in Hollywood at that time. A year later, he's like, you know what? I still feel like I'm underpaid based on how successful I've been. So he renegotiates again. He leaves, goes to another production company. Yikes. And they offer him, in $1915, $670,000 a year, which is the equivalent of $17 million a year.
0: What? So he suddenly makes like eight times as much money as he was making before.
1: Yeah. He goes in like a three-year period. He goes yeah. From, or yeah, let's put it this way. Imagine if you're like in your early 20s mm-hmm. and you go from like having to work in toy factories and like doctor's assistants, like scraping by, working odd jobs. You're an Uber driver, right? Sure. Then the next year you get discovered, you make $200,000 a year. And then the next year you make one and a half million dollars a year. And the next year you make $17 million a year. Wow. Like that's just like an insane progression. He is he is very quickly the largest, the highest paid person in Hollywood, hands down.
0: I mean, when there's only one film screen in town and you're the star, you call the shots.
1: Yeah. He, and he called them. He he negotiated in this la- latest contract for complete creative freedom. So he'd mm. been directing. He's like, now I'm going to make whatever films I want. You, you know, you get them. But. He He's essentially quickly becoming the most famous man in the world, living the Hollywood life, rolling in dough, incredibly successful.
0: Yeah. Roaring 20s, suddenly famous, lots of money. I mean, it sounds like that's a recipe for totally, you know, upstanding citizens. Yeah. Total no normal, scandal, healthy, well-adjusted. coping mechanisms.
1: Yeah. So at this point, imagine him like in the parties with all of the like silent... Film era, you know, stars mm-hmm. living the lavish life. Booze ended up apparently when he would go to these lavish uh, Hollywood parties. His like go-to bit at the parties was to find all the famous actresses and then do like a routine where he would imitate how he imagined that they would orgasm. Oh, yeah, like that was his like kind of like level of confidence in these in these circles. People loved it. Apparently, it was a real popular. Funny thing he did.
0: I would not enjoy that. Yeah. That, I would leave the party.
1: So imagine this now 29-year-old just (laughs) rocketed to stardom, like, loving himself, feeling himself, having lots of sex all over the place. Good for him. Lots of women.
0: Consenting adults, do what you want.
1: Yeah, so he's like, now I can have sex with whoever I want.
0: Well, okay.
1: And so he decides um, he's going to have sex pretty recklessly. And one day, one of the actresses in one of the movies that he's working on comes Mm -hmm. up to him and she says, hey, I'm pregnant. Uh Uh-oh. And I am just turning 16. Nope. So he had been having sex with this 15-year-old. No. And she's like, I'm pregnant. Uh, And he's like, okay, we've got to keep this quiet, protect my career from this scandal, right? So he marries her very quietly at a courthouse. What? Then a few weeks later, after he's married, uh-huh. finds out that her pregnancy is not real. Oh, no. I mean, yeah. I mean,
0: bad all around.
1: Yes. He really had sex with a 15-year-old. Sure.
0: Um, I mean, enough to believe that he impregnated her and married her.
1: Yes. And she its it seems like most people agree that she lied about the pregnancy. Okay. It's been done. Either way... It's not great, Mm-mm. but within a year, he gets her legitimately pregnant. I mean, I'm
0: not surprised. Yeah, now he's married to a teenager. Yeah,
1: a 16-year-old. Yeah, um, He hates her. He just thinks she's dumb. Oh,
0: no. Um,
1: the baby is born. Sure. that That's how it works. He resents her. The baby uh, or the mom? So it presents his mom. Yeah. When this child is born, it's born with severe birth defects. Oh. So it dies three days later. Poor baby. And he decides, yeah, I'm divorcing you. What? Um, after legitimately getting impregnated, he's like, yeah, I can't stand you. Get out of my face. <gasps> Leaves her. Hopefully, of course, this is like a freak occurrence.
0: hmm A wake-up call. Stop being a predator. Don't impregnate teenagers. You're a grown man. Exactly. Do not divorce someone who just lost a baby, like...
1: From this point on, he's going to be much more discerning about the 15-year-olds he rapes.
0: No! No. Ah, there's there's no good way to respond to that.
1: (laughs) No, it's all bad.
0: Oh, my God. He is
1: a major pedophile creep.
0: Did not know this.
1: On the heels of this disastrous first marriage, Mm -hmm. uh, Chaplin... Still a big movie star, director, producer now. He, at 32 years old, casts a 12-year-old actress named Lita Gray in his movie The Kid to play an angel. She's 12, but he actually met her originally when she was six years old. So she's been in the business. She's been in the business. um, But at 12, when he hires her, he begins openly flirting and romancing her on the set of this movie.
0: Oh, did you mean grooming? Oh, yeah. Cuz it sounds like grooming cuz openly flirting and romancing a 12-year-old is actually um preying on.
1: Yes, preying on this 12-year-old. Holy shit. Uh and people notice and they're like what are you what the fuck are you doing? And he's yeah. like even at 12, his response to them was, "Oh, don't worry. If she gets pregnant, I'll marry her." What? Yeah, at 12. No. At 12, like this Presumably prepubescent girl, he's like, oh, don't worry. I'm going to marry her when she gets pregnant. For whatever reason, decides to wait until she's a little older, Mm -hmm. like 14, 15, before he actually commits statutory rape. Yikes. At 15, he rapes Lita Gray. And I just want to point out, I use this word not because we are trying to hold him to some contemporary standard, like, oh, in the day,
0: mm-hmm.
1: standards were expected. No. This 35-year-old man, there was an explicit law on the California books at the time that classified this as statutory rape. Yes. and As, he, it, as it was. As it, as it was, as it is. And he knew, mm-hmm. and he still does it. Then, of course, Lita Gray gets pregnant, and all of a sudden, he freaks out. Because he realizes not only is this, like, inconvenient, it's also potentially going to put him in jail
0: right because this is not the secret like extra that he'd been having sex with on the dl this is like people were trying to stop him from having sex with this child
1: yes and he still and he did it presses forward and has sex with this child
0: yeah there's receipts
1: when he finds out she's pregnant he says he had been telling her i'm gonna marry you i'm gonna marry you i'm gonna marry you yeah as soon as he finds out she's pregnant he's like how about you have an abortion
0: that's convenient
1: yeah and then she says no. And he's like, How about I just give you a lot of money to disappear? And she's like, No, I thought we were getting married. In her memoir, Lita Gray writes, it was called My Life with Chaplin. Okay. Um, she writes that after he offered the money, one of her family members, I think one uncle, took a literal shotgun down uh-uh. from the wall mm-hmm. and went over to Charlie Chaplin's mansion do and it. confronted him. A few short weeks later, Charlie Chaplin. Married sixteen year old Lita Gray in Mexico.
0: Wow. Wow. Why Mexico? Just uh run away?
1: Away from the press. Mm hmm. Nobody's asking nosy questions about sure. why you had sex with this fifteen year old. It doesn't get better from there. Uh on th- I mean how
0: could it? How could it?
1: Yeah, yeah. It's not a recipe for success. On the train back to California, he looks over at her and he says So they're they're driving over this bridge on the train. Uh huh. And he looks at her deadpan and is like, this would be a good time to put an end to your misery. Why don't you jump?
0: Yeah, I was wondering if he was going to, like, ask her to get an abortion, offer her money, or push her down the stairs. It feels like he's desperate
1: to get rid of her. He's asking her to kill herself right now on the the drive back from the wedding. Yikes. He continues to treat her in uh, revolting and inhumane ways. He would coerce her into sex acts that she described as revolting and degrading. Okay. Not sure what they were, but she wasn't into them.
0: Yeah. Also, she's still a child. Like you don't get to consent to any sex act, whether or not you like it or otherwise. Like you're a child. That's that's not consensual.
1: When when as even as a child, when she would push back on these things, he apparently just screamed back at her, quote, all married people do these kinds of things. You are my wife and you have to do what I want you to do, which is been a fine philosophy for our marriage, yeah. but yeah. I can see why in their situation it did not work out.
0: I mean, that's what I'm shouting as you're like taking out the trash on Sunday nights. Like, oh, all <laughs> married people do these things. <laughs> you have to do these things.
1: Yes. He was just a horrible fucking person. I yeah. mean, it,
0: he sounds terrible. Was he? I, I mean, I feel like I know the answer to this and this could be jumping ahead, but there's no way he's only having sex with her.
1: No. So during this time, he is not only having sex with... Uh, multitude of people, mm-hmm. he's actively telling her about all the people he's having sex with Yikes. and telling her, like, you have to do these things. Apparently, some of the sex acts she uh, objected to later were group sex, like sex with all of these other actresses in his movies simultaneously, right? Like, right. just like all of these things that she, as a 16 year old, wasn't comfortable with.
0: You could be 60 and not comfortable with it. It doesn't really matter how old you are. If you're not comfortable with the sex act, you don't have to do it. That That is like the premise of consent. And it sounds like he just doesn't have any capacity to care about other people.
1: Based on other stories that people told about him, mm-hmm. specifically women, he had this sure. issue with, right? Like there's a, there's a specific misogyny that runs through this where he very much viewed women and especially the women that were you know in i don't want to say monogamous because the monogamy was one sided but women mm-hmm. he expected to be monogamous with him mm-hmm. like he expected them to suffer this kind of treatment um in an especially pointed way so lita gray had just turned 16 around the time of their marriage when she turns 18 and is finally legally legal to marry mm-hmm. or of legal age yeah uh, he divorces her
0: of course
1: yep uh and, she ages out yeah ages out He's thirty-eight at this point. Woof. Um,
0: so they have one kid. He has one living child.
1: Yeah, I think maybe they'd had a second kid at this point. Okay. but at least one,
0: one or two living children.
1: Yeah. In this divorce, she is pissed at this point. Yeah. So she starts leaking the details to the press mm-hmm. and right of what she described right as his quote, you know, perverted sexual desires. But really, it was just like scandalous for mm-hmm. the time. Right. He dismissed her as lowly born and greedy.
0: I mean, I feel like there was a news story this week that sort of mirrors this situation oh
1: really what are you thinking of
0: i'm thinking of like a certain prominent uh evangelical leader
1: (laughs) oh yes that's right
0: had a consensual throuple relationship Mm -hmm. with another person and um
1: and dismiss him as a greedy blackmailer based on the going public yeah one you're not wrong Mm -hmm. two I think Chaplin's invocation of this lowly born is really rich, considering he was in a fucking public workhouse in, like, Charles Dickens London, like, (laughs) scraping by before he made it big.
0: Yeah. I mean, I also just—I don't—I really don't feel like the rapist gets the moral high ground here.
1: No, no. Even if he
0: had been born in a castle, you don't get the moral high ground as the, like— abusive rapist
1: yes so it turns out that you're correct and nobody's buying his bullshit sure to keep this from actually going to trial pays um, off
0: so many people
1: he doesn't have to pay off so many people he pays off this one particular woman mm. um, with the largest divorce settlement in the history of the United States and at the time not just the largest divorce settlement the largest award in any American court in history
0: it It really feels like in a lot of ways, he took everything from her. she should take everything from him, oh,
1: absolutely, yeah, it was six hundred thousand dollars at the time, which is basically like roughly equivalent to nine million dollars today. Okay. um, we've seen bigger since, but like yeah she, she made him pay for it, which I mean, was
0: Jeff Bezos, his wife just got like eighty billion dollars
1: I, I know it's like <laughs> peanuts right um yeah at that point, you deserve it one one final note about her of all of his wives, and there are more. Lita Gray was the only one that he did not mention in his autobiography, which gives you a sense of, like, how particularly salty he was about the fact that after he raped her as a child, she held him to account in a way that none of his other wives were able to.
0: Can't imagine he has a good relationship with their children or that they co-parented well.
1: Oh, you you shall see. So his next wife, he is 43. Mm Mm-hmm. And... You may be surprised to find out that she is actually uh, a ripe old 22 years old.
0: Okay. It seems like the age difference is holding true, though. It's like 20 years. Maybe it's not like the age of the person, but the like age difference.
1: That's very generous of you. Uh, It turns out, though, the reason he marries her is because she lies and tells him that she's 17 years Uh old, and that's when he gets interested. Gross. Yeah, she didn't think that 22 was young enough for him, and she was right.
0: Well, now I just feel silly.
1: No, it's a reasonable assumption, but he's worse than you would expect. He marries her, casts her as the star of his next big film. Uh, It will not end well, but it's one of the least awful of his marriages okay they have a pretty good working relationship in film by that like she is the star of many popular and successful films they work together on the uh, great dictator film which is making fun of hitler oh so apparently uh hitler was a big fan of charlie chaplin there's even like secondhand rumors hitler mirrored his mustache off Mm -hmm. of Charlie Chaplin's mustache.
0: I'm so fucking tired of these Nazis getting inspiration from folks in the United States, generally because those other folks were Nazis or had, like, Nazi ideation. (laughs) Yes, yes. yes. Or ideology. But... Damn, it all, this is like the sixth or seventh one at this point.
1: Can I just tell you, okay, so I'm sorry, but we're going to make an unplanned detour here. Okay. To I never plan
0: any detours. That's uh, how detours work. Yes, okay. You just show up and they say,
1: so, next. Speaking of Nazis being inspired by America, when the Nazis were coming to power mm-hmm. and designing their essentially racial caste system, mm-hmm. right, that subjugated the Jews below the Aryan race or mm-hmm. Aryan people, mm-hmm. um, they studied the Jim Crow South in America, and of they course. studied race laws, and they use that as a model.
0: Yes, but we know wh- that explicitly. Oh, yes. we w- talked about that on yes, this
1: podcast. But one of the things that the Nazis took away from the American South, the American Jim Crow laws, and the American system of racial segregation, was that, in their opinion, it was too extreme. The Nazis thought that the basis of the one drop rule, which is that if you had mm-hmm. in your ancestry one verifiable, you know, drop of black blood in your, you know, genealogy that you would be considered black, they thought that was unsustainable. It was too extreme to build a society on because you needed to allow as many people as you could to identify as white to in order to rally the sufficient political support. So yeah, when we talk about Nazis being inspired by Americans, it's not just that they took the ideas from the South. Right. It is that they actually found the South too extreme and watered it down in order to build the Nazi regime.
0: I mean that is that tracks with modern day white supremacists a la like Richard Spencer, right? Yes, yes, Uh, yes. Look the part, seem approachable. Seem just like your average, everyday, potentially even like high achieving, slightly sophisticated person um, so that you can other others in a more like palatable way. And if you, for example, look on the internet and see memes Mm -hmm. about modern day white supremacists, you likely see people like with their shirts off, wearing tank tops on a four wheeler in mud. And it's like, well, actually, you know you know what? Like, the vast majority of influential white supremacists are policy makers in a suit and tie.
1: Yeah. There's, it's very clean cut. Yeah.
0: Anyway. Okay. So uh, Hitler was like, yo, Chaplin, you look fresh. Yeah. I'm going to take that mustache.
1: Hitler takes a look. He's a mm-hmm. big fan of Chaplin's earlier films. Chaplin decides to make this film making fun of Hitler. Yeah. Um, later, he finds out, like, so Chaplin is a shitty person. Yes. Um he's also against Hitler, so he's on the right side of the Hitler not Hitler debate, which is good. People are messy. Sure. Um but he he later says that if he if at the time he had known that, about the actual Nazi death camps, then he wouldn't have made the film because there's a lot of ways frankly in which like this film the great the dictator is like sympathetic or, like, shows him as, like, a more well-rounded human. Mm -hmm. It's, like, it still makes fun of him. Hitler, who did not, like, suffer criticism... Ended up screening the film privately for himself and his staff twice. Okay. Which means, like, if he hated it, he didn't show it in the fact that he, like, watched it multiple times.
0: I mean, it's like Donald Trump watching SNL. Like, you can look at satire and think, this is a caricature of me. They think I'm important. Yeah. yeah.
1: Right. Anyway, so he does this film, The Great Dictator, with his new 22-year-old wife, who he thinks is 17. She shows up for, like, the first day of shooting on films, like, when she's starring. And he, she said, quote, he told me to take off my clothes take off my shoes, change my suit, and remove my makeup. Then he threw a bucket of water all over me. Uh -uh. Like, he was just like, I hate your fucking look. Start over. Uh, And this is the kind of director he was. As he's been making these films, he basically will, like, make people do, like, 10, 20, 30, 40 takes of the same scene, 50 takes, 60 takes. They
0: don't even have dialogue. What the fuck are they doing? Just yeah. like tripping over a log and like Do it, it again, stick? do it again.
1: He will like act out the scene and be like, here, do it like this. And he'll do everybody's parts and make them copy it. Uh, sometimes he will like gut halfway through a film and then he will just like start fire over. everybody yeah. and start over with different people and make them go through the same process. Like he is just like this incredibly insufferable director. Um, one day, basically, after like this bucket of water throwing type shenanigans um in front of his own son and in front of his wife he says your stepmother worked very hard today and i had to tell her a few things about acting and she's just like fuck this noise so as soon as the premiere happens for mm-hmm. this they've been married for like eight years at this point she's just Holy like cow yeah i'm out she's like she puts up with it for a while but she, like eventually she leaves him and is like i can't stand you anymore yeah um and heads out so they do this great work of Art it's still considered one of his best pieces, but like she just pieces out. Good for her. Uh, it is. um He's like fifty-one. He goes a few years just having a lot of sex with other people, but decides to get married again. Mm-hmm. Finds a eighteen-year-old named Una O'Neill, and she is technically legal to marry eh. at this point. Okay, but he is fifty-four. So your theory about like is it the relative age difference? Hmm.
0: Sure. What's the match dot com for older people? What's that called, called? Like, um,
1: farmers only? No, that's no, the it's, wrong one. it
0: feels like something only or my time. My our time. time, our yes. time, what my time, I don't know. Our time, yeah, whatever. It's his time,
1: it's his time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's 18. Um, in this marriage, it is not uh, happy per se. He is incredibly abusive still. Wait, what? He hasn't changed. Yeah, but they, they stay married until he dies, so they have eight kids together.
0: Okay, so yes, I saw this. I actually, so, like, I was trying to do our social media ahead of time for this because I have to edit this all night because we're delayed. Quarantine just, like, really is a time warp. Mm -hmm. And I saw this and it listed her as his fourth wife, Mm -hmm. like, as I was finding these images. So this woman, he's, like, 54 when he starts having eight children with her.
1: Yeah. And she's 18 years old. So, like, imagine the (sighs) fact that, like, you are much closer in age to your kids than you are to your husband. Yeah. Like,
0: yeah, and much closer in age to his kids. That's true. At this true. point, That's he's got true. like a 20-year-old yeah, yeah, yeah. kid.
1: Yeah, you're younger than his kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oof. But yeah, so he he is the same person, like as a director, he is as a dad, right? These incredibly exacting standards has outburst, just like this raging temper, incredibly cruel towards his kids. Oh. Um, he Later on, he's working with Marlon Brando in one of his last films uh, from one of our other episodes. Go mm-hmm. check it out. Brando said that Chaplin would just humiliate his kids in front of the entire crew and cast of the films uh, and people would say like he treated all of his kids that way he, he would also like berate the actors too so brando said he would he was uh chaplain berated him uh, embarrassed him told him that he had no sense of professional ethics and he was a disgrace to his profession because he like showed up 15 minutes late to the set
0: so you know what toward the end of his acting career that might have held true
1: it's true at this point like it didn't yeah. sound like he earned it this particular
0: circumstance no yeah it's a pattern of behavior but this is <laughs> yes. early in the pattern it's so, very yeah. early
1: <laughs> but yeah but like both these guys suck uh in this case like one of them is less reasonable than the other in this particular moment sure
0: i mean to be fair just to clarify if you've not listened to the Marlon brando episode brando was not terrible in the way chaplin is he was eccentric
1: weird broken
0: disrespectful. Yes. Self-centered, but in a very like childlike way, not yeah. in a malicious way.
1: Yeah, and and Chaplin was just a malicious asshole, yeah. like abuser and rapist and horrible person. Ooh. Anyway, so Brando said that Chaplin was probably the most sadistic man I'd ever met in my life.
0: <gasps> that Charlie Chaplin the most sadistic man Marlon Brando had ever met.
1: And Marlon Brando had met Marlon Brando's dad.
0: And Marlon Brando himself. (laughs)
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) Wow. That is not the image of Charlie Chaplin that I think basically anybody
1: has. He's, yeah, not only sadistic, has has more in common with the dictator maybe than he wanted Mm -hmm. to admit. The year now is 1944. Okay. Charlie Chaplin is 55. Fast math. He had been a big proponent of communism and the USSR Okay. during the last few years. he
0: And he didn't get
1: blacklisted during the Hollywood
0: foreign films, whatever, J. Edgar Hoover nonsense?
1: Spoiler alert. He's about to get blacklisted <laughs> by the House Un-American Activities <laughs> Committee.
0: I thought that was in the late 40s. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> no, you're right. We're in 1944. Wow. By the late 40s, that is exactly what happens. Um, and the reason he was so pro-communist is because... The communists were fighting the Nazis alongside us during World War II, right? Mm -hmm. It wasn't until after World War II that, like, we had this big, you know, red scare and, like, they were the new adversary. Sure. Um, But as somebody who grew up incredibly poor, it's not a stretch to imagine that, like, believing that you should have, like, this social safety net and, like, all these other Mm things. He's also saying this from a position of incredible privilege, like, being one of the largest stars in the world. Yeah. um, He could have redistributed... A lot of his own will Voluntarily, yeah. Nothing's stopping you. Exactly. Mm-hmm. As being on the wrong side of J. Edgar Hoover. Okay. Trying to figure out how they can ruin his life. Yes. Turns out that there's this law. It was passed like 30 years before this in 1910. Mm-hmm. Called the White Slave Traffic Act. So, Oof. this is essentially a sex trafficking bill. Sure. I just want to pause for a moment because it's called the White Slave Traffic Act. hmm Because you could legally traffic people who were not white. If you wanted to call it the Sex Trafficking Act, you could have. Mm -hmm. But explicitly, Mm -hmm. the powers of the law were saying we are only here to protect white people from sex trafficking. Right. Like black slavery, even, you know, in 1910, we're talking about decades and decades and decades after the end of slavery for black people in the United States um, or the explicit legal construction of slavery, right? Mm -hmm. You could have said, we just want to protect people from sex trafficking. And they said, no, these sex trafficking provisions are explicitly only provided to white people. Yeah. So with an acknowledgement of how incredibly fucked up that is. Oh, yeah. That supposedly 50 years after we'd ended slavery, we were still saying... We are definitely against slavery for white people.
0: Yeah, and it's, I I mean, I think like quick detour, very quick detour. It's laws like this that people are unaware of. But when we talk about institutional racism, these are the laws upon which like precedent is set, where Mm -hmm. there are different laws or amendments built onto this that build from this, not that these laws are like abolished and replaced with more inclusive laws like this is where we started you know 45 years after the civil war ended you don't expect to be in like a radically different place because America but these are the laws that now they're just a hundred years old to us and we think of those laws as like the foundation of how we treat people
1: yeah there are frequently court precedents that stretch back this far that are like the last litigated case that shape legal practice to this day because that's law that was on the books at the time right um but there was this law okay this white slave traffic act from 1910 so that law was sex trafficking but it was also constructed when it was written in a, a broad incredibly broad way sure so broad that essentially you could use it to criminalize Basically any consensual sex act as long as one person had to travel to meet the other person. Uh-oh. So this is another thing that is key to understanding the institutional systems of power in the United States. Yes. But if you have laws that are incredibly broad like this, what it does is it serves as essentially a blank check Mm -hmm. to prosecutors and police because what it lets them do is anybody who is on the wrong side of their mood, their mood, right? Their favor essentially can become a target. Everybody could be prosecuted, but there's limited resources. So the people that actually get prosecuted are the ones who are pissing them off for some reason.
0: Blanket laws like this are um, ripe for exploitation, When it comes to political indiscretion. Yes. Or like political discretion. Kind of like marijuana laws right now.
1: Yes. Right. When you have the highest per capita percentage of your population incarcerated in -hmm. the world, Mm -hmm. in the United States, Mm -hmm. mostly because of low level drug offenses. Mm -hmm. It is because it is not because. Well, so one, people of color are. Vastly disproportionately represented in that population. Yes. But also due to all the like, based on all the empirical evidence we have, it is not because people of color are disproportionate drug users. No. At all. It is because no. there's their incredible discretion. If you yes. if you criminalize something like that, to put those people in prison. Yes. All that to say, in 1944. Yes. There is this 1910 law on the books. People who don't like Charlie Chaplin mm-hmm. are going to use it against him.
0: Yeah, they could have used the rape law before now, but...
1: Yeah, right? That was just in there this whole time. But it's,
0: it's the, you know, communism that really pushes folks over the edge.
1: Yeah, I mean, honest to God, if there's anything that tells you about J. Edgar Hoover's life, it's like he's like not having an issue with the statutory rape. He's like, oh, you're a fucking communist? Now I'm going to come get you. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Charlie Chaplin had impregnated and then dumped this actress named Joan Barry. And um, based on the fact that... He this had, is the first one? No, Joan Barry is a, is like a new just actress we haven't within. talked about it, that he didn't marry. Okay. Um but just one of the women that he had slept with and impregnated. Um based on that particular case because they traveled across the California state line at some point during the affair, uh he was they arrested Charlie Chaplin for this.
0: Wow. And but she's an adult.
1: She's an adult. Okay. She's not a child. So it is just based on the fact that he has been a prominent communist for a while. Mm-hmm. This laws on the books. J. Edgar Hoover and the FBI want to get him. House Un-American Activities Committee wants to get him. He ends up getting arrested for this. Mm. Tried.
0: Ah, wow.
1: He is is acquitted of the charges, but they are still trying to come for him. Uh, He ends up having, they do a paternity test. Mm -hmm. The child is not chaplains. Whoa. But despite the paternity test proving he's not the father, he's still found liable for child support because they're just like spiteful at this point. Okay. And it is just, like, a big downward spiral from here. So two years later, he's, like, trying to get back into film and, like, recover his public image. He plays this role in an Orson Welles dark comedy, um, but he is playing, for the first time in, like, in a totally speaking role, a serial killer.
0: Oh, no. Wow. Okay. That's that's a, a jump.
1: Yeah. And so when he does, like, the press tour for this... The press is nothing but nonstop coverage of the communist serial killer trying to destroy America. Like, he just goes very poorly. It's all... like He has to walk out of interviews all the time because they're just hounding him about why he isn't supportive enough of America. Um, This movie bombs so hard it almost bankrupts the studio that he is, like, founded at this point. Blacklisted explicitly... Uh, exiled from the United wow. States. He self-exiles as much as anything, but like there's no work for him in Hollywood. And because he was never a citizen, right, still has a British passport, he moves back to Britain uh, for the next 25 years.
0: Okay. Eventually, and just leaves his eight kids or takes a wife and a few kids and has more?
1: Takes a wife and some of the kids, Got has it. some more. Basically, he then lives out his the rest of his life only makes like two more films after this. Lives in, in essentially obscurity between Britain and then Switzerland, where he settles at some point. In 1977, basically 30 years later, he dies on Christmas Day in his final home in Switzerland.
0: Whoa, he makes it to 1977? Yeah. He's he like 80-something?
1: He is alive at 88 years old Wow. He dies. Yes. Uh, the small... So he's living with Una, the one who said he was like the tyrant mm-hmm. and like just humiliating the children at this point. Yeah. Um, with all these kids,
0: and she's what twenty years younger, so she's like sixty. Some oh, wait, no, odd I years. think it
1: was more than twenty years because she was like eighteen when he married her at fifty. She's like she's like thirty years, thirty five years younger. Oh, okay, sure. Yeah. Um, small postscript: After he dies in Switzerland, a few months later, Una gets a call, and it is grave robbers oh no and they say what we have stolen the body of charlie chaplin
0: does she say boy bye does she just let them have it
1: uh and they're like we want ransom they asked for six hundred thousand dollars to get his body back keep him uh and her no well her official like the quote of her response mm-hmm. is who cares <laughs> <laughs> and then she hangs up
0: i love it And <laughs> uh, yeah she
1: does not beg uh, they are stuck with Charlie Chaplin's body for a few weeks before the Swiss police catch up to them. Yikes. Uh, and she's like, who fuck cares? him. He was an asshole. Who so in cares? his life... That kills he, me. He, who cares? Who cares? <laughs> so? Give a shit. Um, he's he, always, he claimed to have slept with 2,000 women over the course of his life. He said his ideal woman was, quote, someone who I'm not exactly in love with her, but she is entirely in love with me. Uh, And as Lita Gray, his second wife, who he met at six and started grooming at 12, said uh, he tried to create people. He enjoyed being the first person in a girl's life, which meant he loved to rape children and make them totally subservient to him. So needless to say, definitely not my hero.
0: Yikes! That is one that um, have to say I did not expect. I'm not surprised, but I just didn't expect it.
1: Yeah, he's real bad. He's real bad.
0: Woof. All right. Well, until next week. Where can people find us online? Where we are significantly less worse than anything Charlie Chaplin ever did.
1: Yeah. Find us at Your Heroes Pod on Twitter and Instagram.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And meetyourheroespodcast.com
0: meetyourheroespodcast.com you can email us directly at yourheroespod at gmail.com
1: and until next week don't be a hero don't be a hero bye